Hello and welcome to this podcast is rigged with JW Riggs. I'm your host, JW Riggs. I have a great guest today. Uh, you might have seen her TikToks or even uh, some of her YouTube videos and stuff. Uh, Tori from OzVlog, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Thank Good. you so much for having me. Good. Oh, no, no problem. Your videos are awesome. My whole family watches them. So it's like, I absolutely love the videos. Oh, that's so awesome to hear. Thank you so much. Um, but uh, no, I'm doing pretty good and everything. So I uh, just got accepted into my dream college, uh, Fried Hardman University. Congratulations! So, thank, you. thank you. So next fall, next fall. Oh my gosh, how exciting. That is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was a very nice early Christmas gift. <laughs> was, uh, to you. What a great way to start the new year. Yes, very excited. Um, now, uh, starting off, I know you probably hear this a lot, but how do you become a fan of Wizard of Oz? So the first time I, so this is all legend because I don't have any firsthand memories of <laughs> the first time I saw the Wizard of Oz, but the first time I saw it was apparently when I was two years old. Uh, we'd received the 50th anniversary VHS tape from my grandmother and my mom thought it might be too scary, but she insisted we watch it. And I was just hooked from day one, would rewind the tape as soon as it ended and watch it again. And uh, by the time I have conscious memory, I'd already memorized the entire film. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's just absolutely awesome. Now for those of you, uh, so of course this is an audio podcast, but I'm looking at the background behind you. That is just awesome of all the different memorabilia and your sweatshirts. Awesome as well. Uh, just tons of Wizard of Oz memorabilia and everything. So uh, when did you start collecting? I really started collecting in earnest when I was nine years old. I received uh, two Wizard of Oz items for my ninth birthday. And all of a sudden I had a collection. It was a shelf. <laughs> and um, as Willard Carroll, famous Oz historian and collector always says, it always starts on a shelf and then a corner. And then before you know it, it's a room. And it just goes on and on. Because <laughs> uh, there's so much. It's, it's weird to think. Uh, I didn't realize this until recently. There's so much memorabilia and just like some awesome merchandise from Wizard of Oz that you don't even think about. So it's really endless. And, you know, once you start doing research into the history of the film and how it was merchandised in 1939, I mean, they started right out of the gate with the film. And even L. Frank Baum, when he published his book in 1900, he made toys and games and things to promote his work. So it was very much a collector's uh, market right out of the gate. Uh, most definitely. I, I've realized that is uh, my grandmother was born the year after Wizard of Oz came out. So she was born in, I believe that came out in 39, right? That's right. So she, my, grandma was born. <laughs> <laughs> my grandma was born in uh, 40. So it's just like she I've uh, she's told me stories my entire life of how growing up there was uh, how Wizard of Oz, how popular it was then compared to now. And it's just it just keeps growing and growing with new generations. Absolutely. Hopefully so, it will never stop. Hopefully not. I mean, and isn't there, uh, and of course, um, in, I guess, uh, what is it, 18 years, that'll be the 100th anniversary. So that's, that's insane. That's insane to think about. So hopefully there's going to be like tons of merchandise with that. 
there had better be or Warner Brothers will have to contend with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, also uh, there's a new uh, Wicked uh, film, an ab- uh, adaptation of the Broadway musical coming out. I believe uh, is that 20 th- in 23 or somewhat. I don't know if there's a date for it yet, but in the near future. I've heard. I mean, it's been in development for a very long time and Oz fans kind of always roll their eyes every time they get close because we're like, oh yeah, sure. We'll believe it when we see it. Uh, But they did just announce the casting for Elphaba and Glenda, which is a big deal. John Shu is now um, heading the project as the director, which is really exciting. And I'm hopeful. I think it's going to be um, really interesting. There is some controversy about the fact that Ariana Grande was selected to play Glenda. But Kristen Chenoweth came out in strong support. So if that's not a comfort to Oz fans, I don't know what would be. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, I don't know too much about Wicked, but I know some about Wizard of Oz. I grew up watching it, like I said. So I've definitely uh, I've done a little more research into the other projects involved in Wizard of Oz. Like um, I saw Oz the Great and Powerful like the day it came out when I was, I guess, nine years old. So uh, it's it's like, I know that's not a great adaptation of it, but I still enjoyed it at the time. So, yeah, I actually also went to see it in costume the night it came out. We went to the midnight showing. We were one of uh, three people there. It was pretty ill attended at midnight, but what could you expect, really? We were the only weirdos doing that. But unfortunately it doesn't hold up with time it's it didn't adapt to the story of how the wizard came to oz well and unfortunately in a post me too era i don't think a script like that would ever fly it's beautiful to look at and the score is fantastic but as a film i don't think it really holds up to the oz legacy right i i haven't watched it recently i would say last time i watched it was probably 2015 or 2016 so it's still been with your contemporary lens and see what you think yeah, I need to watch it now. It's been a very long time. Uh, I remember when the movie came out. Of course, that is uh, a Disney movie. So my sister was working for the Disney store at the time. So there was tons of merchandise. And when all of that went on clearance, I got tons of it for Christmas. So I had like a Oz shirt and a notebook. So it's like, oh, that's that's something I'll always remember. Nice. Uh, now... Um, of course, uh, this is probably another question you get a lot. You're, I'm probably going to ask a lot of questions you get a lot. But uh, uh, what's your favorite adaptation of Wizard of Oz? So if we're talking about the 1900 novel by L. Frank Baum, yes. I, the, I think the 1939 film is the best Oz movie we have so far. It really condenses it into a nice, neat three-act structure, and the music is beautiful. If we're talking about post-1939 favorite Oz projects, I think without a doubt, Disney's Return to Oz from 1985 is my favorite. And I think it's the closest to Baum's books in its flavor that we have so far. Right. Uh, I, I did enjoy that one. Again, it's it's been a while. I would say uh, the most recent one, or the one that I've watched recently, uh, you're probably going to laugh at this, but was Muppets Wizard of Oz. And if you see behind me, I'm a Muppets fan. So. Oh, and I got to tell you, though, I see the Jason Siegel poster behind you. That is yes. a great film, but great Muppet caper. Come at me. Yes. Most quotable Muppet movie of all time. Everything Diana Riggs said in that movie is quotable. All my diamonds are valuable. I mean, you cannot beat that movie. <laughs> uh, see, I love, I absolutely love Muppets in Space and Muppets Most Wanted. 
I feel like both of those are pretty underrated. As Muppets Most Wanted totally got trashed at the box office when it first came out. And I remember that. And it's like, I absolutely love that movie still. I don't know if it's the humor, but as I get older, I find more stuff that I'm like, oh, that's really funny. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so. For me, unfortunately, it was such a letdown. And I remember watching it the night it came out and being so disappointed. It was the first Muppet project that Disney took over completely from the Henson family. And I really don't think they grasped the material quite well, which is a shame because The Wizard of Oz was Jim Henson's favorite movie. Right. Movie he said was the first movie he ever saw. And he, you can see Oz in his work all the way through. The Muppets did several tips of the hat to Oz, both on The Muppet Show, Muppet Babies in the 80s. Um, and Labyrinth is very much an Oz type journey movie. And I oh, think yeah. if you watch Labyrinth in the beginning, you can even see a copy of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz on Sarah's bookshelf. <laughs> that's that's and, awesome. There is actually a little bit of crossover between. Uh, Return to Oz and Labyrinth. There's actually a, a lot of crossover because the Henson Company did the puppets for Return to Oz. Uh, Brian Henson, Jim Henson's son, did the voice of Jack Pumpkinhead and the puppetry. True. And the lady who voiced uh, Belina the Chicken was also the trash lady from Labyrinth. So there's a lot of crossover between Henson and Oz. And unfortunately, Muppets Wizard of Oz just didn't hold a candle. <laughs> Sad sadly not. I mean, it's good. And I feel like the cast was really good. Uh, it's just, it was weird because, of course, uh, having like Quentin Tarantino make a appearance was just really awkward and really weird. And I don't think he really belongs in either Wizard of Oz or Muppets. So that's just, that's just me. <laughs> the change, the, the big problem for me was not only that the humor was a little off because they didn't understand the Muppets, but also they changed the motivation of Dorothy from getting home to becoming a famous singer. And when you take the motivation of home away from Dorothy, you really take the essence of the story out of the story. Right. Uh, and another thing that I realized, I just realized this, uh, David Allen Greer, who was in that as her uncle, was also in the 2015 uh, adaptation of The Wiz. So as the cowardly line, so he's one of my favorite comedians and one of my favorite actors. So I just actually put that together just like just in the last five minutes thinking, huh, well, yeah, he was in both. <laughs> he was fabulous in both of those yes. things. Even though one is far superior to the other. Yes. Uh, I remember um, I actually I really didn't know about The Wiz before the 2015 version. Like I've heard about it in passing and stuff, but uh I just after that, I went back and watched the original and uh, I really enjoy both adaptations. You know, I'm glad that you saw The Wiz live first because the film adaptation really does not do the stage play justice. Mm -hmm. It is a very interesting adaptation, but it is not an accurate representation of what The Wiz on Broadway was. So I'm glad you saw The Wiz live first because it's definitely closer to the Broadway version than the film was. And the Broadway version was genius. So I, I love the Wiz Live. I think it's the best Wiz we have on film so far. Mm -hmm. um, now, do you think that they'll do another Wiz project in the future? Or? I hope so. It was, it was discussed briefly after the Wiz Live was such a hit that they were going to revive it on Broadway. That never came to fruition. But I do hope we see more of it. I know they're getting a big... Um, adaptation right now for the stage in the UK. Hopefully that will make its way back to the United States at some point. I've heard rave reviews about that production that's happening right now there. 
Um, hopefully we'll get another big stage, either stage production or even a, a feature film for the, the, screen, the big screen. That would be fantastic. That, that would be fantastic. Like I said, I'm a big fan of The Wiz. So I think another adaptation for future generations, but also current generations would be really nice. Definitely. So uh, now back to the collectibles and stuff. Do you, I know this is, this is probably very difficult, um, but do you have a favorite uh, collectible or a favorite piece of your memorabilia or? I could never pick just one, but I have a couple of highlights. The, I love collecting 1939 merch. So things that were actually um, produced for the release of the film. And so I think my 1939 ideal Dorothy doll that they made for the release of the film to advertise it is one of my favorite things. I also love things that the cast actually touched. Anything signed is really special to me. So I do have a signature from Judy Garland that's really special. And also I have a portrait doll of Margaret Hamilton that she, they only made 300 or so dolls for this doll collection in the 80s. She hand signed a label on each of the dolls and also donated one of her replica witch dresses to use to, uh, they cut that up to make the sash on the hat for each of these dolls. So I think those are definitely some of the highlights of my collection, but picking one favorite I could never do. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that would be pretty difficult. That's, that's like faking, uh, pick, uh, picking a favorite family member. So <laughs> that would be like me saying, uh, I have a lot of different collections. I collect Lego uh, Funko Pops. And uh, recently I've even collected VHS tapes, which is a totally, completely different mess. But that would be like me saying I have a favorite Funko Pop. Is it just, it's very difficult. <laughs> so, um, sorry, I made myself laugh and I started coughing there. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably cut that out. Oh, <laughs> um, now, um, with uh, Wizard of Oz, there's, um, do you have a least favorite adaptation? I know you probably don't like that question, but uh, I feel like uh, everybody has a least favorite adaptation of their favorite movie or something they're really, uh, they're really involved in. So, so. Yeah, I definitely have some that are, are in the, the bottom of the barrel category. Obviously, I grade everything Oz the Curve, but I think Oz the Great and Powerful and Muppets Wizard of Oz scraped the bottom. But the one that really, for me, was the least successful was The Witches of Oz, which was a four-hour mini-series type movie. Um, they condensed it down for television to about two and a half hours, but the original cut is four hours. And it had a lot of great ideas and a really fun cast actually, but the execution was not great. The script was weak and unfortunately they lost a lot of their audio. So they had to re-record a lot of dialogue and post which made it feel very kind of wooden and insincere. And all of those issues combined really, and it was an independent film. So, you know, the quality wasn't there, right. but you can forgive that for, for good writing. Unfortunately, it just kind of missed the mark, but it had a lot of good things about it. And you could tell the people who made it really cared about the material. They just tried so hard to fit so many different things, elements from the book in there that it really didn't work. 
Um, but in terms of mainstream Oz releases that I think missed the mark, Oz the Great and Powerful and Muppets Wizard of Oz are the two that really come to mind. Um, definitely, uh, definitely understandable. Um, now, something that's really interesting to me, I was watching one of your videos right before, um, right before you joined the Zoom, that there's an anime adaptation of Wizard of Oz, which I think is really cool. I'm not a big anime fan, but I'm starting to get into it slowly. So I, I'm actually about to go watch that after the interview, more than likely. It, so do you have more information on that? That, that sounds very interesting to me. Yes, well, that came out in the 80s. It was on HBO. It was produced by the, the for English-speaking audiences, by Sinar. They, um, it, it was originally recorded in Japanese. It was 52 episodes. It was very interesting because not all of the books at that time were in public domain. So they had licensing to use materials from the first two books. So the first two, two um, arcs for The Wonderful Wizard of Oz and The Marvelous Land of Oz are pretty accurate to the books. And then they slowly go off the road <laughs> into original territory because he didn't have the rights to the subsequent right. books. So some of the storytelling gets wild and very off from where the books were, but the flavor really remains. And they did a great job adapting the stories and the characters to anime form. There are actually, there's several animes you might want to check out if you're getting into animes, including, um, oh gosh, what's the name of that? A Galaxy of Oz, which is uh, like an Oz in space adventure. Oh, well, that sounds cool. Um, and there are like short, like anime one-off movies. There was one that starred Aileen Quinn, who was the original Annie from the movie Annie that came out in 82 um, as Dorothy. That one's a fan favorite. So yeah, there's actually, anime has dipped its toe into the land of Oz several times and you should definitely check them all out. They're a lot of fun. Oh, that's, uh, that sounds very interesting. Uh, I've learned a lot about Oz uh, since watching your TikTok. I guess uh, I would say the last, what, what was that? <laughs> that's the idea. <laughs> yes, I, I would say the last uh, three or four months I, uh, I started watching your videos. What's funny, I didn't realize that my sister was watching your videos until... I guess it was about a month ago. She mentioned something about Wizard of Oz as I was telling our parents about that. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, I saw that on TikTok. She was like, me too. So then we started talking about that. So and then uh, when I found out you were going to be on the podcast, when I messaged you and everything, I told my sister she absolutely loved that idea. Was, um, my sister and my niece watches those videos every day together. So she my niece is five years old. So she absolutely loves Wizard of Oz. You're actually the reason why she got into Wizard of Oz. And so she absolutely loves it now. <laughs> my mission in life, spreading the good word of Oz. What are their names? Uh, Stacy May is my niece and my sister's Kelly. Hi, Kelly and Stacy May. Thank you so much for watching my videos. I love you guys. <laughs> oh, they're, they're both going to absolutely love that. It's just um, because of my sister. I mean, my parents love Wizard of Oz as well. But because of my sister, my brother and I have always been a big fan of Wizard of Oz. And she's really the reason why we both uh, know so much about Wizard of Oz. So I'm really thankful for her. <laughs> so, uh, now, we still have a few more minutes. But uh, is there anything that you would like to say to, uh, of course, people that are wanting to get into Oz or people that are wanting to be historians for Oz? So all you really need to be an Oz historian is you need to be thirsty for knowledge and um, excited to learn. 
and you should probably like reading because there are 14 novels <laughs> in the original Oz book series. We now have 50 texts that are considered canonical Oz stories written by various what they call the royal historians of Oz. And you can find lists of those on Google, what's considered canon and what isn't. But if you really want to dive deeply into the world of Oz, I would recommend becoming a member of the International Wizard of Oz Club, which was established in the 1950s and has members from all over the world, as the title implies. And um, it's relatively inexpensive and they produce three times a year a, a scholarly journal, a peer-reviewed scholarly journal called the Bomb Bugle where you can really do some serious research. So you can head over to ozclub.org to sign oh. up and become a member. It's a lot of fun. And um, I've been a member since I was a young child and made so many friendships. Cause of course we have, we now have digital get togethers like this on Zoom. And we also have in-person conventions when there aren't, you know, raging uh, pandemics. Right. <laughs> and um, uh, I've met so many like-minded friends as a result of joining that group. So I would recommend definitely joining up if you are interested in learning more about the world of Oz. That's awesome. I will definitely look into that. I think my sister has looked into that as we've talked about it before. Um, but I know that's something I'm uh, very interested in. So I'll definitely look into that. Uh, now, uh, one other thing. What was it? Uh, now, uh, how did you get into TikTok? Because, of course, TikTok a lot of people got into it at the beginning of the pandemic much like myself i thought i was going to delete it the day after but i did not <laughs> so uh, how did you get into tiktok and start making these awesome videos so i've been on youtube for 15 years um and that's really how i got involved with volunteering with the international wizard of oz club they found my videos and started bringing me in to go to conventions as a guest and talk on panels and things like that and then I, somebody, I forget who recommended, I think it was my sister who said, oh, I got a TikTok account, it's really fun. And I, I signed up and thought, well, maybe I'll just put a couple of Oz videos out there and see what sticks and see what happens. Because that's kind of what I've done on YouTube so far. And then quite suddenly, I had a video go viral about the lost dress that was recovered recently from Catholic University in California. There was a Dorothy dress that had gone missing back in the 70s that was discovered in a shoebox in an office in this university. One of Judy Garland's actual Dorothy dresses. Wow. And I made a video about it and it went viral and got 300,000 views inside of uh, a couple of days. And I'd never had that kind of response before. And we're now we're closing in on 50,000 followers and um, it's it, we've had over 11 million views so far. It's really exciting. And I it opens up so many doors in terms of meeting other people and working on new projects. So it's been a really exciting journey so far. Uh, TikTok has become this platform by which you can get your message out to a very large number of people very quickly. So it's always fun to spread the good word of Oz and TikTok is helping me continue that mission. So I'm very grateful. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, TikTok has actually, uh, I really did not want to join at first. And then as my friends were telling me for like a year straight to join. And I was like, eh, I don't think so. And then, um, the day the pandemic hit, uh, everybody got stuck in their house. I was like, okay, I'll join. And then um, I met a few of my friends on there, including actor Adam Wiley. And that's kind of why I started the podcast is because 
a few of my friends, they were like, you just, you talk about movies so much. You talk about television. Why don't you start a podcast, kind of find, kind of find a meeting ground and people might actually listen to that as I'm uh, as they were like, you're very knowledgeable. So I was like, okay. And then I started it and I started reaching out to people much like yourself and through TikTok and Instagram and everything. And now it's bigger than I thought it would be. So it, I'm very thankful. So well, congratulations on all of your success. Thank you. Congratulations on your success as well. Uh, thank you so much for doing this interview today. I've really enjoyed it. I hope you have as well. And I hope everybody else has as well. Is there anything else that you would like to say? I'd just like to thank everybody for giving me space to talk about this thing that I love so much, including you. Thank you so much for having me. And it's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. And have a great day.